sure everybody knows kids will be coming through here to get to Children's Church in the back. So uh, if you're a parent and you're bringing them in, go ahead and feel comfortable. Feel free to come through. Don't worry about trying to go down the halls. Uh, there's a lot of paint uh, on the floor and stuff. So go ahead, go ahead and bring them through this way and go to the back. It's fine. Just a few announcements as we begin. Uh, the Gap Widows Christmas Party is de Tuesday, December 13th at noon. There'll be food, uh, prizes, games, and, uh, of course, a big surprise, and I'm sure uh, uh, you'll want to be there for that. Also, uh, a big thank you for all those that have been able to give to the adopted family uh, for this Christmas. We've had a good response, and we're over halfway to our goal there. Uh, purchases are being made to make this a special Christmas for five children. If you haven't donated uh, but would like to, place it in a tithe envelope and mark it Christmas. Or, of course, you can donate on Pushpay. There is a, a column there that says... Uh, Christmas give, Christmas donation, adoption. And also, uh, the next two Sundays, there'll be no kids' church. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I said correct. December the 18th and the, or, the, or the 25th, there'll be no uh, children's church. Uh, of course, on the 18th, we'll be meeting in the gym for the children's uh, Christmas presentation. Uh, we three spies, and then on Christmas Day, we'll all meet in here at 11 o'clock. All right, let's stand together. Have you come to bless the Lord today? Christmas is upon us, isn't it? We're going to open up with Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Let's sing it together. Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Glory. child, and right now he is among us. Amen. Lord, we lift you in this place. We magnify you. We glorify you. Let's lift our hands and honor his presence. Lord, we bless you in this place in this awesome time of the year of Christmas. We just come now to bless you. Amen. Amen. He who was before there was light, walked across the pages of time. He who made every living being 
behold him right now, church. Behold him. Worship him. He is worthy. We magnify you, O God. We lift you up. Just lift your hands and honor his presence. He is worthy, for there is none like our God. We bless you, O Lord, in this place. That same God, born on the Christmas day. He is here now. He surrounds us.
Yes, sir. Let's give Jesus a hand clap of praise as you're being seated. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So good to see everybody in the house of the Lord today. Have you come to worship Him? Amen. I got three people that are ready. Thank God the Bible said where two or three are gathered in my name. I am right in the middle of you, praise God. Man, before I get started, I do want to read a, a card to the church here, because I'll get to going and get stirred up, and I'll never look back. I could get all this done first. So thank you for love and support that y'all gave to us from my dad's passing. Thank you for the wonderful meal that was provided for us. We love the church family so much, and that is from the Eller family. So we honor you guys today and are praying, continue prayers for you in the loss of her father. Man, I'm telling you, the Lord, um, it's interesting when, when you're a preacher. Um, I, I, don't, I don't guess we have any preachers in the house. I'm, I got some teachers in the house. But um, it's interesting because as a preacher or pastor especially, you're getting up week after week and you're having to, to give a word uh, everybody wants to hear a word from the Lord, right? I mean, is, isn't that what, 
what we come for. Everybody's like, I want to hear a word from the Lord. What, what is God saying to me today? And um, it's really a, a pretty, pretty um, sober thought when, when, when I know that I'm the guy getting up here that, that has the word for the day. And I'm knowing that there's people that have come and, and they're expecting to receive something from the Lord. So it puts a little burden on me in that sense. And um, it's amazing because some, some services, this happens to me every now and then. This is one of those weeks that it has happened that, that I am a, um, I, I normally can get it together. I know what I'm doing. But, but there's, there's these weeks that come that I'm kind of scattered mind, I feel like, and I can't seem to pull it together. And so what I do is I just say, Lord, you know what? I'll, I'll get a sermon that I know I can, can preach and, uh, and we'll do that. And, uh, but when this happens, God always, he steers me back where he wants me to go. It's, it's interesting. I'm just kind of giving you an inside of a pastor's life right now talk. But it's interesting because I'll look at something and I'll say, man, that is the word I want to give, boy. That's exciting. That's good stuff. It's like the Holy Spirit just speaks it in your ear, whispers it, and says, no, this is the word that I want to, to have spoken. And uh, today's one of those days. So I don't, I don't know exactly what God is up to but, but I do know that God is wanting to speak to us today through this sermon. Your purpose is stronger than your shame. Your purpose is stronger than your shame. Let's go to Isaiah 61 and verse 7 today. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. Instead of confusion, confusion they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess how much? They're going to get double Everlasting joy shall be theirs. Your purpose is even stronger than your problems. Now when we think about the word purpose today, I, I want to get it into layman's terms. One word that we may use is destiny. You know, it's the destiny God has over my life. Nobody can mess with my destiny. And I, it's the same way with purpose because purpose is much like destiny um, to put it in the layman's term, what purpose means, it is the reason you exist. That is your purpose. If you are wandering around today and you feel aimless in life and I'm just wondering and don't know what to do, oftentimes what has happened, you have lost your what? Your purpose. And when you lose a purpose for living, then you are going to wander blindly and aimlessly not knowing what to do. That is why it is so important, and hear me good, it is so important that everybody in this building find the purpose for their life. Because you are not here, I want you to grab this, to every elder, to every young person, you are not in this house today by chance, you are not walking around this planet called earth just because mama and daddy made a mistake. You are here because God has a purpose for your life. And I think so often we think, well, if I'm the pastor, all right, the pastor's got purpose, right? That's calling. That's ministry. But I'm telling you, there, it's so much bigger than that. There's some of you that God may have put on this earth to work at the place that you work at just so you can witness to the person you're going to witness to. It is the D.L. Moody that walks into the shoe store and the guy that's over the shoes invites him to Sunday school class and he decides, I'm going to go to Sunday school class and D.L. Moody gets saved. Do you know what the purpose of that shoe man's life was? It was the witness to D.L. Moody so that D.L. Moody could win thousands, literally thousands of souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. What if it had not been for a little shoe salesman that God used that day? You have a purpose over your life. 
No matter what the enemy tells you, no matter what other people may tell you, there is a reason for your existence. It is stronger than your problem today. Understand your problems are temporary things. They come and they go. That is why we have good days and we have bad days. We have days that we are happy. We have days that we wake up and can't understand it, but we feel sad. It is called life. It is problems. They come and they go. Your problems are temporary, but always remember your purpose is eternal. See, understand with me today that your purpose is stronger than your shame. Your shame, of course, oftentimes is what we would define by your foolish behavior. Anybody ever done anything dumb? Your purpose is stronger than your shame. Now, I was reading my Bible the other day and it jumped out and I realized that Jesus so despised the shame that He bore the pain on the cross in order to set you free. Jesus despised... We read it all the time. You can read it in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. There's a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us. But it goes on and talks about Jesus. And it talks about that He despising the shame endured the cross. And now He is set at the right hand of the Father. But this is what grabbed me. He despised the shame so much. What is the shame? The shame is what the enemy puts on you. The shame is when you have failed. The shame is when you have made a mistake. The shame is when you feel like you have let other people down. And you're not living up the expectations that that is the shame. And the devil will put that shame on you. He loves bringing it up. He loves telling you how you messed up. He loves trying to make you feel like you're less than good enough. And that God couldn't ever use you. That is what shame is. But Jesus so despised the shame that Satan wanted to put on us. That he said, I am willing to go to this cross. I am willing to suffer. I am going to be beaten. I am going to bleed. I am going to spill on the ground for them. Just so my people don't have to live in their shame anymore Woo! that is good stuff right there ladies and gentlemen he bears it on the cross listen we do not like to preach the love of God the way we probably should preach the love of God I think we are afraid sometimes that if we preach the love of God too much that people are going to go buck wild on us Y'all know I'm telling the truth. I mean, you know, I was raised in a church. This is no lie. It was so strict. I remember one service. I walked in the back door, and I had a peppermint. I was just a little fella. I had a peppermint in my mouth. And I remember running to the bathroom. It was right there, the second door on the left. I can see it vividly. And I run into that bathroom, and I spit. I mean, I hadn't taken but two steps in the church. Right here in the little tiny foyer we had. I just take a couple steps. Oh my gosh, I've got back. And I remember repenting, saying, God, please forgive me. What have I done? You talk about living in shame. I'm going to tell you, I've been around some people, I wish they'd put a breath man in. And I believe God would be happier if they would, even if they are in church. Somebody shout hallelujah. 
I walked in that door. I began to repent. I thought, God, what's wrong with me? I am living in the shame. Jesus has bore this shame. I don't have to live this way. But we preach the love of God. We're afraid that they'll go buck wild if we keep it too, too lovey. But, but, but you know I'm telling the truth. But see, there is a balance. In other words, see, we like to dangle people over hell. Kind of let them feel the fire on their rear end. Praise God. But the truth of the matter is that God has, the love of God is a right for the believer. The love of God is a constant. It does not change. God said with me, there's no error. There's no changing. Because God loves you regardless of who you are. Isn't that a powerful thought? And so we don't understand the love. It is literally too deep for me to understand. But let's get back to my sermon, adversity. When you think about trouble, problems, adversity, we understand it doesn't take long that adversity is part of what we call life. It is life experience. It is inevitable regardless of what we do or how we try to avoid it. It's going to happen. But what you do with your adversity, all right, is going to determine, it's going to determine how much God is going to be able to use you. If, if you bend under pressure then God can't put you in a high-pressure situation because He knows you're going to fail. It is the Job mentality. Whenever God said to Satan, He said, I've been looking around trying to find somebody to tempt. And God immediately went to Job and said, Have you tested Job? Have you tried Job? Because if there's anybody that can stand the temptation from the devil and leave the devil with a black eye, his name is Job. And the devil went there and you know how that story ended. No matter how tough the obstacles may be or the situations may become, your obstacles do not have to become your tombstone. There are some people that allow stuff to kill them. They allow things to take away their purpose. They allow things to become their tombstone. But if you have the right attitude when you go through adversity, instead of those things becoming your tombstone, they become a stepping stone into even greater blessings and greater anointing you have to respond and react in the right way God has something prepared for you it is called your purpose in Isaiah 61 7 there are three words that stand out he says shame confusion and he mentions a land can I tell you the first two words shame and confusion can describe a lot of people in the world that we live in today. Do you know that this world is in a mess, ladies and gentlemen? Do you know that there's a lot of shame and a lot of confusion going on? There's a lot of people that the church, we've mistreated them. Don't everybody shout at once, you ruin my message today. We have mistreated them because of the lifestyle that they have chosen to live, forgetting that when we were in our sins, Christ died for us. Oh, but if we love them too much, boy, it's, 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 it's a fine line, right? we got to keep this balance. But I'm telling you folks today that God loves every one of you in this house and God loves every sinner outside of this house. That is the reason He died. That is why He came. So before you turn your nose up and you're all snooty to somebody that doesn't live like you live or dress like you dress, you better remember the goodness of God in your life and how He saved you when you didn't deserve it either. Somebody's got purpose out there. 
And oftentimes the way that we treat them, they, they end up with shame all over them and confusion. It describes them. There is confusion in their mind. They begin to cry out things such as, why doesn't God do something about this situation? They're idle. They, 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 God's idle. God's quiet. There's people that are in confusion, even some today. You may be asking, where is he? Where is God? I can't feel him. I can't see him. If God's really God, why, God, why doesn't God just stop this? I mean, why, whatever shame has come into your life, listen to me, child of God, whatever has humiliated you in your life, this is what God said in Isaiah. He said, I am going to take it and I'm going to give you double honor and double anointing for whatever has shamed you. Watch this. Shame is a killer of destinies. Shame is a killer of purpose. Shame, when you accompany it with its near close cousin called pride, whew, boy, it'll get you every time. Because, see, when you cover it up with pride, it can be buried deep enough from the world that nobody else notices. But it's close enough to the surface that it's a constant irritation in our life. It is a constant discouragement. It is a constant reminder in our life. And because of our pride sometimes, we just keep it buried. But God said it's time to release that shame in the name of Jesus. Understand with me today, I love it, I love it, I love it. You know, they tell me, and I've never been to an AA meeting Somebody ought to say, thank the Lord. You don't have a drunk as a pastor, but listen. AA meeting. When they go in there, there's one thing to tell me. And I've never been in one. I've watched TV shows, and I guess it's the way they do it. But one thing that they do on the TV show, anyhow, is when they get in that room and they begin to talk to them. And it's like, hi, my name is Jimmy, and I'm an alcoholic. Do you understand what I'm doing? I'm dropping, I am, I am dropping my pride. And I'm saying, this is the shame that I've carried for years. I have tried to break it. My children look at me when I get drunk. I, I can still see their face. I've marred them. I've hurt them. They carry that shame around for years until they finally admit, this is who I am. This is what I have become. And I need to change my ways. Oh, somebody in the house ought to help this poor preacher preach today. God is about to give a breakthrough. I'm telling you. From Genesis to Revelation, this is a fact. You can read in your Bible. You see Bible character after Bible character, all right, that carried shame. You know, we, we want to think, I love, the reason I like the Bible is because it's so raw. I like the Bible because it's so real. God didn't take the, the bad and say, let's, let's, let's hide that. Let's take that out. Isaiah, don't dare write that. You know, we don't want the people to know that. He just put it all in there. That's what makes the Bible so relevant. People don't know oh, the Bible ain't relevant. Oh, it's very relevant. For everything that we face in life, there's something in this book that we call the Bible right here I got on this stage. There is an anointing that when we read the words, breakthrough happens. I'm telling you, there is power in it. When you begin to read in the book of Genesis, there's two people. They're the first people created. You know their name. It is Adam and Eve. What did they do? They sinned. They ate of the fruit that God said do not eat of. What did they do after they ate the fruit? They felt what? They felt shame. They were ashamed that they had done. The guilt of sin got on them. The shame of what they had done. The consequences that are going to come from this. The shame fills their life. You know the story. What did they do? They hid themselves from the presence of God because of the shame that they felt. 
You know, Abraham is another guy in the Bible that had to deal with something. He had to deal with shame. He went in the wrong tent with the wrong woman and had the wrong child. His name is Ishmael. I was reading about little Ishmael the other day. And you know what the Bible said about Ishmael? He said, this guy's going to be wild as a buck. That's what the Bible says. He's going to be crazy. And he is constantly going to be at rivalry with his own family. That's the wrong child. That is not the child that was meant for Abraham to have. This is not the promised child. He went in the wrong tent. Wrong woman has the wrong child. You remember the story one day that old mean little kid's picking on the other baby Isaac? Y'all don't remember that story? I'll preach it later. All right, let's go on. But God gave him peace. God gave him grace in the middle of his shame, in the middle of his failure. And God said, wait a minute, something's going to happen for Abraham. He doesn't have to live in this shame. So you know what Abraham did? He went in the right tent with the right woman and he had the right baby. And his name was Isaac. And now we've got the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of course later on of Jacob. He did not end with his shame. I'm glad that Abraham learned to allow God to cut off the chain of shame that had come around his life and had bound him. And had, he was living with that shame until God sent a child of promise. Thank God for his love and his grace. Moses, the man of God, the prophet, is walking down the mountain. He's got the Ten Commandments in his hands. Let's picture it. He's walking down. He's got the Ten Commandments in his hands that God has given him. He's walking down the mountain. And see, and everybody says, all right, this is cool, this is cool, this is fine, whatever. But what you got to understand is one of those commandments said, thou shalt not kill. But one day Moses got involved in somebody else's business. And there is a Jewish guy having a struggle with an Egyptian guy. So what does Moses do? He takes matters into his own hand. One thing a cop taught me when I got my concealed weapon permit. He said, never mess with domestic disputes. You ride by, you see two people fighting, you call the cops and you keep on driving. That's what you do. You don't meddle in other bits because you get there, you're going to get shot, you're going to shoot them, somebody's going to prison, stay out of it. It's none of your concern. Moses decided that day, this is my concern. It's a fellow Jewish man, and I'm going to go over there and I'm going to fight for him. He goes over there, anger rises up in his heart, grabs a dagger, stabs it in the heart of the Egyptian, kills the guy, buries him underneath the sand. Y'all remember reading that in your Bible? Shame fills the heart of Moses. Every day he walks around thinking, I've killed a man. I have killed a man. What in the world was I thinking? It is so bad, he has to flee. He has to run. He runs away and says, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? i got to get out of Egypt. They're going to kill me. Until God, 40 years later on the backside of the desert, says, Moses, your purpose is here. It is time for you to fulfill your destiny. It is time for you to do. But Lord, you don't know the shame that I've been carrying. But God said, your purpose is stronger than your shame. You go tell my people that God said it. Let him go. Woo! Whoa, 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 whoa. Jesus, help Pastor Jimmy today. There is something powerful, powerful, powerful about the story because when I was reading it, this is what I thought. God used a murderer to carry down a commandment that said, Thou shalt not murder. 
Y'all want to talk about the grace of God now? You want to talk about the love of God now? That's the God that I serve. Now, now if, if I got somebody come in this church today and they are a notorious killer, you think I'm going to go, hey, brother, we want you to preach for us today. Of course not. Even if they got saved, we're going to put them on at least a five-year trial period. Let's make sure they got it right. Jesus, help us. Moses, the murderer, carrying down, thou shalt not kill. This is the grace of God. I've got another guy named David. You know him well. Not only did he commit adultery, but he also murdered a man. He had him murdered. He knew what he was doing. He signed his death warrant, put Uriah on the front of the battlefield just so he could have his wife Bathsheba. He went back to the same woman Bathsheba that he had had her husband killed, the same woman that he had committed adultery with. He had a baby with her. God's judgment hit because he's a man of authority. People had seen the sins. He did it openly. Everybody knew he had committed adultery. And he was the king. And God said, I'm not going to let you get by with it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to kill the baby. And that's exactly what happened. The baby died. The judgment of God came. But in Psalm 51, one of the most beautiful prayers you will ever hear. I mean, if you ever feel like you're straying from God, you open up Psalm 51. And you just read those 17 verses right there. And you're going to find that he prayed a prayer. And he said to God, take not your Holy Spirit from me. You'll read in there where David said, hey, I've slept with Bathsheba. There is shame in my life. He said, my sin is ever before me. That means when I lay down at night, the shame is there. When I get up in the morning the shame is there I mean I can't seem to get past it but Lord would you forgive me would you give me a clean heart would you renew a right spirit in me and the brokenness that he felt the shame could have broken him but instead of allowing the shame to break him the love of God he embraced it and he said forgive me for I have sinned and now David says I have a broken spirit but I am not going to allow the shame to break me I'm going to have a broken spirit and a contrite heart and God said when somebody comes to me like that I cannot ignore it and God gave grace and mercy to that guy named David he cleansed him, made him clean. He's a God that gave him a second chance. And I'm glad I serve a God a first and second and third. And some of you even know fourth chances. My goodness. No wonder the Bible says. Let me read it in Ephesians 3. I read this to you a week or two ago. But I couldn't get away from it. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into what? In the God's love. And it will keep you strong. When you understand how much God loves you and you understand how much God gave for you when He gave His only Son, He says you're not going to want to go around and just sin and break the heart of God. He said there is something in you that your roots are going to grow in the love of God and you're going to understand it in a way you've never understood it before. And you're going to say, man, I can't do that because that will hurt the heart of God. And may you have the power to understand as all people's uh, God's people should how wide how long how high and how deep his love is may you experience the love of Christ though it is too great for you to fully understand that is what love looks like now before I close I want to give you three things today relevant real life things that you can do to have a breakthrough 
a breakthrough in order to receive a double blessing, a double portion for the shame that has come upon your life. The first thing you have to do is you have to break the chain of shame off of your past. There comes a time, ladies and gentlemen, when we have to stop living in the past. There comes a time in every believer's life that we must understand that we do not have to carry the shame from what we did 20 years ago anymore. We do not have to carry the shame of what we did five years ago anymore. I'm going to go a step deeper. It's not always the shame that we bring upon ourselves. Sometimes we have to deal with the shame and humiliation that other people have brought to us. But I came to tell somebody, whether it's shame you brought on yourself by your own foolishness, or whether it's the shame of something that happened in your life, the problems that came, the obstacles that you've had to go through, the things you've had to endure that some people in this building may not even know. God wanted me to tell you, it is time to quit living in the past, and it is time to break off that chain of shame that is wrapped around you. It has tried to bind you. It has tried to hinder you. Why? From the purpose that God has, but your purpose is stronger than your shame. Secondly, the second thing that you have to do for breakthrough is to make, and this is important, make a fresh commitment to prayer in the present. Right here, right now, every day. When you break free from the chain of shame over your life, do you know how you do it? You do it through the blood of Jesus Christ. I need somebody to understand that there is not a sin other than blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, which we'd have to talk a whole lesson on. But unless that is what you've done, there is no sin that God won't forgive you for. I don't care what it is. I don't care how bad it seems. I don't care what, 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 what we've classified it and how bad we've called it. I'm telling you that anybody that comes to Him with a broken and contrite spirit and says, Father, forgive me, and they mean it in their heart. When they confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, they shall be saved. Period. It doesn't matter whether you like the person. It doesn't matter if you can look them up on the internet and their name is there. It doesn't matter to God. God loves every one of them. Watch, watch, watch what I'm about to preach to you. We have to have this commitment to prayer. A fresh commitment. The blood of Jesus has covered our sins. We must never forget that if God was merciful to us, we should desire that He be merciful to other people. Never get so gaudy or so, so proud or so arrogant, so cocky that we feel like oh, we're better than somebody because you're not. You're not. I'm not better than anybody. I'm telling you, it is level at the foot of the cross, ladies and gentlemen. We are heirs and joint heirs in Christ. It doesn't matter if you're the cleanup crew or if you're the, the preaching crew or if you're the teaching group. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what class you come from. You've got to understand that this God that we serve puts us at level ground. We are all susceptible to sin. We are all susceptible to failures. We are all susceptible to shame entering into our life, sometimes even though we did not choose it. But when we make a fresh commitment to prayer in the present, because if you don't pray, the past will overtake you. Can I say it this way? 
If you do not pray, the past will come back and it will get you. The way we used to say it is it's going to bite you in the butt. It is coming back and it will bite you. Please understand with me today. Prayer is something special. Because if you don't have fresh prayer daily in your present then the past has a tendency to defeat you. Are you hearing what I... Without prayer, addictions will control your life. I'm telling you. And there's a reason that God said to us. He said, give us this day. Teach us how to pray. Give us this day our... What bread? Our daily bread bread. Every single day I've got to have fresh bread. That is my word of God. That is my communion with God. That is my prayer life. I've got to have this every day because without prayer my addictions, I cannot control them. They will control me. It is through prayer that I am able to overcome my shame. Watch this. Watch this. I was thinking the other day, that old devil folks, he is so good at bringing up your past. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Does anybody know in the room that the devil will come to you and he'll get on your shoulder and he'll whisper in your ear the failures you've made? How many of you know he'll come to you and say, oh, you've let your family down, right? Oh, you haven't been the man you should have been. Oh, you haven't been the mother you could have been. Man, you, all those years you did that. Blah, 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 blah. I want to tell you, he's good at bringing up our past. Do you know why? Because he wants you to live in your shame. But I want to tell you something. The devil's good at bringing up my past. But I'm going to tell you something I've gotten really good at. I'm good at bringing up his future. And I want him to know, hey, you can talk about my past all you want. But let me tell you about your future. You want to talk about leaving me alone real quick like? He doesn't want to hear it. Because he knows the only place for him is that hell is going to be cast into the lake of fire. And forever weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. And day and night he will be tormented with the false prophet and the beast. Are you hearing what I'm telling you today? That's the future of the enemy. Give me a little more. I'm, I'm going to leave you with this. The, the, the third thing that, that, we, that we must do. You must not be afraid. That's good. You must not be afraid to obey God when he gives you a new instruction. God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And it takes courage to obey God. Does anybody know? It takes risks to obey God. It takes faith to step out and obey God. And I was looking. Do you know what the most often given commandment. Or, or uh, uh, rather um, in the Bible. The most giving. Most often given is what I'm trying to say. The most often given commandment in the Bible is the words, fear not. God said it over and over, fear not. Fear not. Fear not. But do you know what it's always coupled with? For I am with you. Isn't that powerful? Fear not, for I am with you. Obey God. Your purpose is stronger than your problem. In your shame. I'm going to close with Romans 11.29. I think this is really a good scripture. <clears throat> Some of the things that I preach. I just take it at face value. Come on to the piano Susan. I'm going to close here. There's some scriptures that are just right to the point. Romans chapter 11 verse 29. I'm going to close with this. For the gifts and the calling of God. Are irrevocable. 
Does anybody know what the word irrevocable means? The word irrevocable means that they are final. It is not to be reversed. You can't change it. You can't turn it around. Isn't it amazing that when people fail, we segregate them from the body of Christ? That's what we do. That is exactly what we do. If people have failure, we segregate them from the body. All right? But there's a thing called restoration and reconciliation. Now, if people want to keep on living in their sin, of course. Paul got so angry with one guy that wouldn't quit sinning and still trying to act like he was holy that he said, you know what? You're out of here, buddy. You're done. I'm turning you over to Satan. Get out of here. He did it. Kicked him out of the church. Excommunicated him. Said, don't come around my ministry. You're bad. PR. You're bad PR. You got to get out of here. You're Satan's. That's a sad place to be. But there has never been a person in the Bible that came back to God. I just preached some of them to you. And said, Lord, I am so sorry for what I have done. That the love of God didn't wrap his arms around them and say, you don't have to live in this shame anymore. That's why I died. But isn't it a shame that we, sometimes we try to keep people in their shame. Oh, you know what they did. We gossip about them. We talk about them. Oh, come on, somebody. But my Bible said, the gift or the purpose and calling of God, it is irrevocable. Do you know what that means? He does not change His mind about you. People may look at you and they may try to keep you chained to your past for the rest of your life. But God says, when I call someone, I do not change my mind about them. I do not change how I love them, how I feel about them. Because my call is irrevocable, I still have my hand on their life. I often wondered why David, when Saul had sinned, God rejected Saul. Everybody still with me? It's a no-go. My spirit's not with you. You're done. Samuel comes up and says, your kingdom's going to fall. God's no longer with you. David has an opportunity to kill this bad guy. He cuts off a little bit of his garment. Has it in his hands hard. Hey, King Saul over there. So, is that you, my son David? Yeah, I just want you to know. I cut off some of the skirt of your garment. Today, God put you in my hand, but I spared your life. Shame hit him so hard. And they're like, David, why are you upset? This guy's been throwing spears at you and daggers. This guy wants your head. He would kill you if he had an opportunity to do it. It's always baffled me, but I'm learning more and more. He said, how in the world can I touch the Lord's anointed? But the Spirit's left. Saul's done. But he values this so much. This is before we had a Romans 11.29 that said the gift and call of God is irrevocable. That David said, I am not going to touch him. If once he has walked in the anointing, if once the call of God was on him, and it was, I'm not messing with him. God, help us. Let's all stand. I'm closing. So, it's not really about the opinion that other people have of you that matters. It's about his opinion on your life.
All that matters is that God knows about you. All that matters is there's a starting over place with Jesus. Shame is not my Lord. Shame will not dictate my life anymore. Shame will not control you anymore. Because there is a name that is greater than shame. There is a name that is greater than fear. There is a name that is greater than any problem you have. There's a name greater than any obstacle that you may face. And that name is the name of Jesus. And at the name of Jesus, every knee bows. Shame has to bow. Fear has to bow. Problems have to bow. Jesus so despised the shame that he endured the cross. I'll close with this. 6170 said God's going to give them their land back. So for everyone that has suffered loss, for you that have lost your joy, God has land, God has property, God has home, God has a place for you and your shame. He said to you, you shall have double honor. If the devil has taken your joy, once you make it through this mess, I'm going to give you double joy. If the devil took your finances and got you down, when you did something dumb and gambled it away, God said when you get your heart right, I'm going to give you double. I'm going to bless you more. I'm going to give you like Job. I'm going to give you more than you had before the shame came on you. You don't have to live in shame anymore. God doesn't want you to. God has something that He's doing in this place today. What God is doing in this house today is simply this. God is saying to us, that God has a purpose for you. He is saying to someone today, your story is not over. The world may have counted you off. Your family may have counted you off. But God said today, your story, it is not over. There have been chapters that have been written. And there are some chapters of shame. And there are some chapters that you are not proud of. But God wanted me to give you this news. The last chapter has not been written yet. Don't let it end with your shame, Abraham. There's a child of promise on the way. I'm telling somebody today, can somebody lift your hand right now? Inside God, break the past off of me. Break the shame of my past off of me. Give me a new beginning. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Empower me. Give me my double joy, my double peace, my, my double grace, double anointing. You, this, this is what God is saying to us today. He says to you, it is not on you anymore. Because today I want somebody to understand. Jesus, you took my shame. You despised it so much that you took my shame from me. And now I am free from my shame in the name